Hey, good morning, Munchtropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking balloons! What can I say? The camera loves me. Charlie, after you, Junior. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Multiplex Logged It. I'm your host, Caleb Lobo Boatman, and today we got a fun show for you. We're talking comic book movie performances. Best performances from comic book movies should be fun. Uh, and we got a good panel to do so. Jack, we get you on the show a lot, but it's because you're always available. <laughs> I'm kidding. We love having Correct. you. Correct. So, how are you doing, Jack? Uh, I'm doing quite well. It was a long day, a lot of, lot of work outside, but other than that, it's been pretty good. Happy to be here. That is good. And somebody who I don't think has been on the show this year, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's been on the show before. Jake, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I was actually on last week. Oh, <laughs> oh, I wasn't there last week. That's why. Yeah, I, 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 I had to take. I was very busy that day, so I not so good. did not pay. Uh, My bad. Yeah, no, I'm, that's all good. Yeah, uh, no, I've been doing good. Yeah, no, um, I sort of messaged him at the last moment. I was like, yeah, I kind of want to do this. I think it'll be an interesting have me on for this one. But uh, now I'm, I'm looking forward to what we get to discuss today. Very good. And somebody who I'm excited to have on the show, uh, Jacob Cameron. Uh, I think we've had a few of his matches come out. Uh, excited to watch him play, but excited to just learn about some of your opinions, Jacob. So how are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be on. Uh, I've I've had the time of my life like do, being a part of fandom and movie Melee. It's just been like every time, like I get like the DM like saying, "All right, your match is this." I'm like, "All right, it's time." And so I just get so excited. And then I start to realize you all got logged in, and your list sucks, which I'm going to be on a future one of those. And I'm like, I gotta find a way to get onto these shows. And I found my way onto one of them, and the other one's coming up. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to be here. Very awesome. Well, thank you, Jacob. And we'll just get started into. First part of the show, your favorite movie you logged this week. Jack, we'll kick it off with you. What was your favorite movie you logged this week? Well, uh, I'm not going to... Uh, uh, words. I I watched quite a few movies uh, that I really liked this week. Uh, the Exorcist is one, but it, had I not watched The Lion in Winter, I'd be talking about that. Instead, I'm talking Lion in Winter. Catherine Hepburn is fantastic. This movie is so much fun. Uh, I love uh, I love movies where everyone's double crossing everyone. It's just one of the most fun things for me to watch. Uh, Catherine Hepburn is great. Anthony Hopkins, uh, young Anthony Hopkins in this movie, he's super awesome. Uh, really strong performance from him. Peter O'Toole is so great in this. He's over the top in all the best ways. He's got some great lines, and this movie. I didn't expect this going in. Really surprisingly funny. Uh, there's a moment where uh, I can't think of the actor's name. He plays the the youngest son, uh, and who 
Anthony Hopkins pulls a knife out on him and he goes, he's got a knife. And Catherine Hepburn's response is, of, of course he has a knife. He always has a knife. We all have knives. It's 1183 and we're barbarians. And it's like some, some great, great lines uh, in this movie. Uh, had a lot of fun. Hepburn absolutely deserves her Oscar for it. Uh, and uh, I don't, I really don't get how anyone could have tied her, uh, let alone Fanny Bryce. But, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, great movie. Yeah, uh, this is my favorite uh, Catherine Hepburn movie and performance of the ones I've seen. I think she is phenomenal in this. And I think she's just great when she has someone to, like, play off of, whether it be comedy or drama-wise, who, like, knows how to push her buttons. And Peter O'Toole is just hitting that exact line, and they know how to push each other's buttons just in the exact right way. And, yeah, like, these types of you know, kind of big, you know, costume stage pieces don't always work for me. But when you get it like this, where it's just people backstabbing and double crossing each other, it's great. Really good. And yeah, you got a young Anthony Hopkins and a young Timothy Dalton in here, both killing it. Uh, Jake, have you seen The Little Lion in Winter? Uh, I have not, embarrassingly, so. That's fair. I, I think you'd like it, actually. Jacob, have you seen this? Uh, I have not either. I'm sort of glad I'm not the only one, to be honest. But uh, but it, it's been one that that I grew up watching a lot of TCM with my dad. And so I'm surprised that this one was not one that we watched together. But I will remedy that very soon. That is fair enough. Well, I think we're going to get over to me and my pick for uh, favorite movie like this week. I think I am going to go with, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm going to go, since I wasn't here last week, I'm going to go back a week and I'm going to talk about a movie that just absolutely like floored me with how awesome it was. I think a lot of people know that I've been on a little bit of a Jackie Chan kick lately. And uh, this is one of my favorites of the ones I've watched. Police Story 3 Super Cop absolutely ruled. Uh, this is the one that introduces Michelle Yeoh into the franchise, and she is so good. Because the thing that in pretty much every Jackie Chan movie that Jackie Chan almost never has is someone who can actually, like, match him. You know, there are people who can beat him at the beginning or have the upper hand on him, but somebody who can actually, like, play off of him. And really, they're not usually, like, buddy movies. It's usually just Jackie Chan, you know, versus the world. Whereas this one, it's kind of like a buddy cop dynamic between the two of them. And it is so fun because you essentially get the same tension within the movie between the two of them that you got in real life where they're essentially just both trying to one-up each other the whole time. And you can tell that with the stunts where they are both just trying to one-up each other with the stunts. And this movie has one of the coolest stunts of all time when Michelle Yeoh rides a motorcycle onto a moving train and she actually freaking did that. And it rules. And yeah, I, I this one rocks. Uh, Jack, I'm going to assume you have not seen this one. Not yet. That is fair. Jacob, have you seen this one? I have, uh, yes. I, I, I said Jacob. You're good. You got Middle school all over again. There were two Jacobs, and, and ever, whenever the teacher would be like, Jacob, yes. And we would both raise our hands. So, uh, 
So, uh, but no, have not seen this. Uh, my favorite Jackie Chan movie. I'm partial to the Rush Hour movies. I love all three of those. Fair uh, enough. Fair enough. My uh, favorite Jackie Chan, oh. non one of those, is a movie called Who Am I, which I don't know if you've mm -hmm. ever seen. It has an incredible fight on a rooftop. It's the that particular scene is on YouTube. Go check it out. Your mind will be blown. Awesome. All right, Jake. Uh, thoughts? I know you've seen this one. Yes. Um. I. Uh, I'm also sort of weirdly doing a Jackie Chan marathon, sort of in and out uh, over the year. Um. Yeah. I thought this one was really good. I mean, I liked the dynamic between Chan and Yo. Um. It's great. She's an incredible inclusion, and she gets her own sort of spin-off film. I think after this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really liked it. It's just, it takes time to get to the action scenes, um, especially during the end. It's, it is like glorious when it does happen. Um, good stuff. Yeah, no, I like it. Heck yeah. Well, uh, Jacob, we'll go over to you. What was your favorite movie you logged this week? So I'm going like very recent on this one, like literally this past weekend. I saw, because it's a bit of a funny story. I wanted to go see Sisu, but unfortunately it's not playing in my area. I'd have to go to Orlando to see it. And unless I have a good reason, I'm not doing that. So <laughs> my next best option was, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I had no knowledge of the book or anything going into it. And I thought it was absolutely delightful. Uh, this Directed by Kelly Freeman Craig, who directed The Edge of Seventeen, which is an awesome coming-of-age movie you all should see if you have not. Uh, it stars uh, Abby Abby Fortson. I forget her middle name all the time, but she was the youngest version of Scott Lang's daughter in Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp, the first one. The No, no Quantum Mania. And uh, Rachel McAdams plays her mom. And it's just a really nice story. It deals with very complex things about well coming of age but it's done in such a very mature way and it's just something that i almost feel like doesn't really happen all that much anymore unless i'm missing some obscure examples but i think that this this is definitely a sleeper hit of the year at, at least for me that is fair i have not seen this one yet but i've gotten a lot of people specifically tell me i will love it so i very much want to see it uh, Jack, have you seen this one? Not yet, no. That is fair. Jake, have you seen it? Uh, it's not coming out yet, but maybe. We'll see. That is fair. I always forget that you guys get stuff later than that. Someone's talking about Yeah, that throws me off a little bit whenever I, 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 whenever I hear about it. I'm like, that came out months ago. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, different part of the world. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Well, uh, now, uh, Jake, over to you. What was your favorite movie you logged this week? Uh, so I'm between two, and they both came out in 2003, and I'm trying to figure out which one do I really want to, one do I want to talk about, or what's the one that I had the best experience watching. Oh, it's tough. I mean, I'm going to, oh, this is, I mean, I'm going to go with the funnier answer. Oh, it's pretty good, though. Um, I remember watching this movie back in 2003, and I remember having such a good time. It was the first movie I saw uh in the 3D format, uh, and it actually was incredible. It was sort of a gimmick at the time, but Robert Rodriguez really did popularize 3D back again. I'm talking about Spy Kids 3D. Game over. Game uh, over. <laughs> absolutely masterful film. 
by Robert Rodriguez. Um, I was just on TV. Uh, I was uh, I was at dinner with my parents' uh, place, and it was just on TV. And we were just like, let's watch it. Um, and it was just a fun fucking ass time. Uh, I've always loved the movie. It's the best of the of the trilogy, and I say trilogy. Uh, <laughs> Um, but it is just really fun. Like I've always loved the idea of going into a video game, and that was sort of like how this movie started. It was like we need, we also need to, you know, use three D format. And Rodriguez was like, okay, well, turn Spy Kids into this and make it about video games. It's so conceptually different from the other ones, which is sort of interesting to think about. But this is really fun stuff. They think he's the guy. We have the bit with the guy at the end with Elijah Wood, which is hilarious. Um, my favorite things ever. Um, there's just some really good stuff. I really like the race uh, halfway through the movie. I think that's really fun. It's just good shit. I mean, it's that mean quality content that we uh, are so used to at this point, but like this is from 2003 and like a whole new generation has passed. And it's sort of like just one of those things where people from this generation, from this 2000s generation just has grown up with and it's just become a part of pop culture. It's one of those really fascinating sort of films. Um, and then it does an Avengers Endgame-esque ending where all the characters get together to fight the villains. Uh, it's one of those things I absolutely love. Uh, and it's fun. It's great. Did somebody ring the ding? <laughs> Come on. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> so much fun. So much fun. Uh, yeah. No, uh, this is... this. Is, I don't know if I would actually call this the best of the franchise, but it's the most of the franchise, which inherently then makes it the best. Um, and it is, this one is just so much fun. Ricardo Montalban actually getting to do more stuff than he does in the second one. I, I The second one's probably just overall my favorite because Steve Buscemi being an absolute maniac in that movie. But yeah, no, uh, this, this is super duper fun, like nostalgic cheese. Uh, Jack, have you seen Spy Kids 3? I've seen all of the Spy Kids movies, and this one's this one's a good time. I haven't seen it in years, but I remember really loving this movie. Not as much as I loved Shark Boy and Lava Girl when I was younger, but it, it, it's still it's still solid. Jacob, have you seen this one? Saw it in theaters. It has been a good long while, but uh, but I do remember. I do remember liking it. It is it is due for a week a, a rewatch, but I'm not sure if it's gonna hold up as well. Unfortunately, fair enough. Well, uh, that does conclude that portion of the show. Now to go over to your least favorite movie log this week, Jack. We're going back over to you. Uh yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little further back because I did talk about uh, the Asphalt Jungle on a different show recently. Uh, so I'm gonna go a little further back. And I'm going to talk about Cabaret because I I saw this movie not really knowing what to expect, but uh, I had high hopes because I love all that jazz. That's one of my favorite movies I saw for the first time last year. Uh, this was a bit of a letdown. It felt a little messy, unfocused. I'm not entirely sure why the hell... Joel Gray walked away with Best Supporting Actor. I thought his performance was fine at best. Uh, overall distracted from the overall narrative of the, of the film. Uh, wasn't a huge fan of it. Liza Minnelli's good. I'll, I'll give her that. Uh, a very good performance. Don't know if I would call her Oscar worthy, but I haven't seen the other nominees. So uh, overall, uh, just a little disappointed by this one. 
That's fair. I I think I probably like it a little bit more than you, but even then, I don't quite understand like a lot of the love for this movie. And I have never really understood the love for Joel Gray's performance. I I think he's fine. Um, I, I think Minnelli is the reason this movie works uh, as much as it does is because she just sells it. Um, and there's some good, like, the things that Fosse always gets right, Fosse gets right. The production design, the costumes, the editing. Like, that's just, that's just his bag, and he's great at it. Um, but, yeah, no, this does not have the punch that Lenny or all that jazz pack. Um, I think particularly because this is much more contained than the both of those. And I think Lenny and all that jazz really kind of play with time and, you know, narrative and do a lot of really interesting things that this one doesn't. Uh, Jacob, have you seen this one? I have. Uh, on my YouTube channel in 2020, I did what I called the AFI project where I reviewed all hundred movies on the AFI's top 100 list. It was so much fun. And Cabaret was like in the, like, I can't remember where it's placed on there, but it's in the mid pack of that list. And I, I would put this movie into the column of, I respect it more than I like it because the movie looks outstanding. It's the music is of course great. Bob Fosse. I mean, come on. The music's awesome. Liza Minnelli was fantastic. I just had a problem with some of the tone, like the tone changes just subtly like, yeah, this loud music. And then you have the war stuff and they go together like chalk and cheese. And, and I get it. It's all trying to be narratively cohesive. I just think it doesn't work. That is valid. Uh, Jake? Uh, yes, I've seen this. Uh, I watched this last year, uh, along with all the Bob Foster's movies. Uh, and it is definitely the most interesting as far as how it sort of plays out in his uh, career. Um, obviously, he did Sweet Charity before this and then immediately wins the fucking Oscar and has like a massive uh, amount of success for the rest of his uh, career. Um, but yeah, I do agree that this is like not as experimental or as um, stylistically speaking as far compared to Lenny and um, All That Jazz. I mean, I, prefer, I think all, all That Jazz is his best movie. I think a lot of people agree with that sentiment. But Cabaret, I really like, I mean, I'm not a big musical person, but this is definitely one of the ones that I, I got a lot of bit more out of just because of the production side. I mean, I think the visual looks incredible. I think Liza Minnelli is, outstanding um i'm like like what jack was saying i mean i think it's a, a deserving win but i mean i can't say too much just because i haven't seen the other nominees it'll be interesting to see how that sort of uh plays out with that in mind but i like the relationship she has with michael york um one of my favorite trivia moments ever was pulling his and michael and i pulling his name in a concept title match um and it's just really good and also just sort of the uh sort of the hidden undertone uh things the relationship between the three uh, characters as we see throughout the film uh it's good stuff and it's uh it's about nazi nazism and how it rises and it's horrible and it's terrible uh but yeah fair enough well now we go over to me for my least favorite movie like the week uh i'm gonna keep the tradition going over the last few weeks it's time for another Best Supporting Actress winner, everybody. And this week, what did I watch? I watched a few of them, and some of them were actually pretty good winners. Uh, I watched The Great Lie, where Mary Astor won, and she's great. But I also watched None But the Lonely Heart, uh, which is a Cary Grant movie, Ethel Barrymore one. She's fine. She's not the problem here. Um, I hate to say it, but the problem here is Cary Grant. Um, and he's not... 
he, I don't even think I can say he's doing a bad job, but he is just so utterly wrong for this role. It's kind of embarrassing. Um, Because essentially this character is supposed to be like a poor blue collar Joe Schmo. And that is just not Cary Grant's vibe at all. So it's just, it's completely like just does not fit anything. He just feels, he sticks out like a sore thumb in the movie. He was nominated for this. This is one of his only two nominations. And I, it's, it's weird. They must have just not really respected his comedy stuff. But I, I think his like romantic comedy leading man stuff is like some of the best work of that genre. Like he is so good. He can do like, and just straight comedy, like that stuff's great. But in this, and he can do some dramatic stuff. It's just in this, he's just so miscast. Has anyone seen this one? I'm going to assume nobody has. No, I haven't seen it. No, fair enough. Well, we will move on, Jacob. Over to you for your least favorite movie along this week. All right. So, uh, so again, for my YouTube channel currently, I am rewatching and reviewing, or watching for the first time in certain cases, but reviewing all of Wes Anderson's movies because I've only seen a handful of them. Uh, like Fantastic Mr. Fox, I've seen Isle of Dogs, I've seen Moonrise Kingdom, I've seen Grand Budapest Hotel, I've seen, but none of his early. So it's been a bit of an adventure. And I don't know how hot of a take this is going to be, but here it goes. I did not like the Royal Tenenbaums. I thought the movie was mean-spirited in all the wrong ways. Jacob, just leave the chat before Bowman kills you. Gene Hackman, Gene Hackman won an, a Golden Globe for this. I ask you why, because his character is so terrible. Like, and, and I get it. Like, he is, I guess that this is the point. But I was just yelling at the screen, like, why are we rooting for this man to be redeemed when he clearly just does not deserve it? And it, when Ben Stiller takes his kids away from him, I'm like, yeah, good on you, dude. You're doing the right thing. And so, I don't know. I'm clearly in the minority. I mean, one of our hosts has left the room. <laughs> so I'll, 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 I'll die on that hill. But... Man, Royal Tenenbaums, it just was, it was not fun. It, not fun at all. That is, that is valid. Uh, well, I mean, it's valid in the sense that it's your opinion. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, this is, to get the flip side, uh, this is uh, in my top ten of all time. I love this film. Uh, this is a great, great movie, in my opinion. Uh, Gene Hackman, I think, is giving the best performance of his career in this movie, uh, which is also a hot take. Hey, hey, to be fair, Jacob, if Cody were here, he would be 100% on your side. He also hates that movie. Uh, I, I really like I think it has a lot to say. I get that it's not everybody's vibe, but I, I really like that it's kind of just all about these people who are all very broken and all very flawed and how, you know, kind of the biggest mistake was not appreciating each other while they were together. But now that they're together, it's still, it's not clicking because they're all kind of in a state of Arrested Development, which is funny because it's actually pretty similar to the show Arrested Development in a lot of ways. Uh, but I, I just, I really like the dynamic of all these 
its characters. But again, I get why it necessarily wouldn't work for everybody. Uh, Jack, have you seen this one? No. I've seen like three Wes Anderson movies and none of them are this. That is fair. Go ahead, Jake. Uh, yeah, this movie is incredible. Um, I love Wes Anderson. Uh, this is one of the last ones pre Francis Dispatch that I hadn't seen that in uh, Steve Zizou. Um, and I remember seeing this at like a local cinema that was playing like Wes Anderson's film. So I was like, I'm going to go to this one. And I remember thinking it was incredible. Um, I really, really uh, liked it a lot. Um, it's just that whole family dynamic is at the core of the movie and sort of the the dynamics between each family member and sort of their, their, their entire personality. I think Ben Stiller is really great. It's weird seeing him in a film so by an author like Anderson, um, but I think he's really good in the movie. I Paltrow's incredible. Same with Schwartzman, uh, Wilson, obviously. Yeah, Hackman is like the, the scene stealer. Um, the fact that he just committed to this uh, character for the uh, for the movie, like you just wouldn't expect him to be in a film like this, but I would definitely nominate him for a supporting actress. Uh, su ah, sorry, supporting actor, or I guess it depends on Nick could be Cat. I put him in the lead personally that year. Yeah, it's it's actually tougher than I thought. Um, yeah, you could totally put him. In I think lead. Golden Globe had him in the lead. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, but yeah, it's a really fun movie. It's definitely just what led to Anderson perfecting his style and his sort of storytelling, and it's great. And also Alec Baldwin, uh, really good uh, narration. There's a really good story about how he was just pulled in at the last moment, like, hey, could you just do this narration? Um, we're probably not going to use it, but just be as quick as possible. And uh, they used it, and it's great. It is like Wes Anderson's succession. <laughs> that sounds Anyway. If, uh, if now just we do uh, just to... Just to add one more thing before we move on, I think Rushmore is overrated too. So I'm just I, going to leave that I'm here. You're going to get killed. Jacob, you, how do you feel just... about this? Is going to be important. We we're not going to move on until I get more to this question. Jacob, how do you feel about Twelve Angry Men? I love that movie. Okay, you're no you're, not, you're, you're no longer on the hit list. Good. <laughs> I, I needed to give him the chance to say something positive <laughs> about a movie in order to. Hey, I, I got weird opinions, but I'm not stupid. Let's like, right. Okay, valid. You know what? Valid. That's me as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got out there opinions, and I will own my out there opinions, but 12 Angry Men is, is quality. It's an hour 45 of nothing but quality all around. So. Okay, so you're back on the good side. Anyway, <laughs> Jake, over to you. Uh, what is your least favorite movie along this week? So everyone's doing sort of marathons or different sort of uh, film challenges uh, or reasons to watch through like a, a filmography of, of, of any sorts. Uh, I'm, because of uh, the greatest podcast to ever exist, my check with Griffin and David, uh, they just finished their Danny Boyle miniseries, uh, who's one of my absolute favorite filmmakers. And of course, he uh, he has current, his most recent film, a film that I absolutely despise, uh, is called Yesterday. Um, if you just watch the trailer and then come away with an opinion of the movie that it's the best sort of most original premise that you could have seen in the last 20 years or so, I would 100%, I would fully understand and agree with that sort of opinion. But then you watch the movie and it uh, does not live up to the potential, the ideas that it that could explore. It does not want to uh, to focus on that and so it wants to focus on the most generic uh, romance between two very charismatic and uh, likable actors uh, ever. 
I'm really torn. I really wish this movie was better than it is. It has these great ideas that it could explore, but uh, it's instead it uh, focuses on stuff that is just not as interesting that you can find in other uh, films. Um, yeah, I just always wished, I remember seeing this in the cinemas with my mom, and I just remember thinking, like, this is the most mild uh, mid movie. This is like a movie made for, like, a few generations older than me, and I just sort of just really hated that it doesn't take any risks or challenge itself with the, the premise. I think the most challenging thing, and I, I hope this isn't a massive spoiler, the movie's been out for a bit, but spoiler alert for yesterday, uh, I think the, the one risk that it takes that I thought was pretty good is the scene with John Lennon, uh, which I really like um, in theory. Uh, I don't know if it's, it's executed the best way, but it has really good ideas and it just explores, you know, since the Beatles don't exist, uh, what, what what would Lennon be up to now? Um, but also, it's not just the Beatles, which I, I, I find a really cool idea. There's no Coca-Cola, there's no cigarettes, which seems like a massive thing, uh, considering the, uh, the history of that. Um, but also, uh, Oasis doesn't exist, which is a hilarious joke, and then at the end, Harry Potter doesn't exist. Really cool ideas. Um, I just wish it was fully explored, and it's instead replaced with a terrible love story, and Ed Sheeran is ass, and what is in this movie? Yeah, no, I don't. I, 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 I haven't seen this one since twenty nineteen, but I also remember not loving it. And for me, like one of the biggest things is like we never really got like a reason or any explanation or any like even through line. Like I thought there was it was gonna come together. Like there's a reason why it's Coca Cola and it's Beatles and it's this and it's that that have all been effective. And there are even a few things that in my brain I'm like. I don't think this would be around if the Beatles weren't around. And like, it just, when you're going to do a premise that is this like heavy on the implications of other things, I think you kind of have to think that through. Like, I'm sorry, I don't think Coldplay is still around if the Beatles are not around. Like it just, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't track. It's just kind of like a cute little premise, but honestly you could do this exact same movie and have it not be the Beatles and just a guy who found all these great songs that were never released. And it would basically be the same movie. Like you could do all the same dynamics you want to have with it. Just when the music wouldn't be as good. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's, it's fine. I really do like the John Lennon scene though. That's like the one scene that I actually do. Well, maybe that's just cause it's the one seen the movie that's kind of interesting but i don't know anyway jack thoughts on yesterday i haven't seen it since like 2019 2020 uh and i i generally really liked it when i when i saw it uh and since then my opinion has kind of uh almost i don't want to say my opinion's gone down because i haven't rewatched it but i'm scared to rewatch it because i feel like <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to enjoy it as much. I do remember the John Lennon scene really well. That scene's fantastic. I think that uh, Robert Carlyle, I believe, uh, plays him. is great. Uncredited. Uncredited. Uh, but yeah, he's great. Uh, I love him in most things that he's in. Uh, but yeah, no, I just... I I, I, I kind of don't want to rewatch this just because I'm scared I'm not going to like it as much. That is valid. Jacob, thoughts on yesterday? Saw it in theaters, and honestly, Caleb, I think we uh, we're on the same uh, wavelength. I, I like the I like this idea. I like Dev Patel in the movie. I thought he was very good. Himish Patel. Himish Patel. 
Oh my God. I'm, I'm so sorry. So, y'all. No worries. That's my bad. Uh, Lily James was good too. I like their chemistry. I just kept being pulled out of the movie just by the idea of how this world even works. Like if there's no Beatles, how are the Rolling Stones like even a thing? Like, do the Who exist? Like, is Coca-Cola like a monopoly, or is RC Cola like taking over? It's it just, I had a thousand questions, and clearly the movie had no interest in giving me any of those answers. So, good idea in theory, but I think in practice it was just like, like, like when we when you like go to the director, be like, what does this mean? The movie just basically goes to you. No, you shut up. So, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, that concludes that portion of the show. Now we're going on over to the meat and potatoes. Comic book movie performances. Jack, kick us off. I... I mean, y yeah. I, I have to... I have to pick the performance <laughs> you would all associate with me in comic book movies. Uh, it's Hugh Jackman and Logan, of course. Uh, as much as I have run this movie into the ground, I think it shining uh, a light on Hugh Jackman's performance is warranted. His This is one of my favorite performances he's ever given. I think he's incredible. Uh, just the absolute pain that logan uh logan is in everything he's gone through uh you can see it's taken its toll on him and he's at he's at his breaking point uh in this film he's kind of just l lost everything that's important to him and hugh jackman just gives the performance of a lifetime in this movie uh uh wolverine was my favorite comic book character for uh, like as long as I could remember, like both in comp books and in movies. Uh, and J Jackman's performance is the center of it. I think he's incredible. That is valid. Yeah, no, this is, I, I would say this is probably the best version of Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Like this is the best performance he gives throughout all the franchise, but he's just so good in the entire like franchise, even in the bad ones, he's never the problem. Um, but yeah, this, it definitely do see, and I think it helps that it was at least planned that this would be the last time he would play the character. Cause you can kind of tell that just the weight of every single performance before is weighing on him and he's very, very good. Uh, yeah, no, he, this is a good pick. Jake. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't particularly care much for Logan. Uh, it's a personal preference of mine. I just have never really connected with this movie, but I will admit I do like Hugh Jackman a lot. Uh, I think, especially since he has played this character for what, like 17 years at this point, uh, or if when this movie uh, came out, it's it really just shows how much he has evolved and has learned with this character and how we have sort of connected with the character over the years. And this is, you know, the swan song for the character. And it's yeah, I mean he's really great, and I really like what he does. Um, I, I'm I I'm okay with Jack picking this just because you know we all have our, our favorites that we love to talk about, and it's uh, it's all right. Um, but no, this is as far as like the performance goes, I think this is a this is a good choice. I just think it's a little crazy going that he should have got the best actor on. That's when I that's where I crossed the line. I do agree with that. Uh, Jacob, thoughts on Hugh Jackman and Logan? 
I mean, this movie in total is just fantastic. I mean, and it really just speaks to Hugh Jackman as an actor, because literally in 2017, this movie comes out in March, being Logan. Fast forward to November, The Greatest Showman comes out. And guess who stars in both of them? Hugh Jackman. So that really just speaks to his talent. Uh, Logan is just an incredible movie. Uh, going into it with the uh, with the hurt, like, like Johnny Cash's hurt, the trailer going into it, it spawned a thousand imitators like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows teaser trailer styled to Logan and the Dark Knight styled to Logan. I watched all of them. They were all fantastic. But um, but yeah, Logan, I don't think any more needs to be said about it. It's it, it, it's just phenomenal. That is completely valid. Well, we're going to go over to me for my first pick. And I'm going to go with more of a non-conventional pick. I am going with one of my favorite actors of all time in what is a, a very different type of comic book movie performance. I'm going Polly G in American Splendor. Uh, this, this is a great performance. Uh, Paul Giamatti plays graphic novel and comic artist uh, Harvey Picar. And the film is based on the autobiographical comics that Harvey would make, but it has very unique a very unique narrative structure where essentially you're seeing, you know, Paul Giamatti play Harvey, but then you're also getting the real Harvey Picar kind of commenting on various events and say, well, that's not quite right, and this and that. And Giamatti is just so good, and he gets so much of Picar's dynamics done right. But this is a performance that I think like could look bad if you don't if you're not looking at it from a certain lens because like so many of the mannerisms and the things don't make sense because Harvey Picar as a man didn't quite make sense all the time. Sometimes he would talk with this very throaty voice and then in the next conversation he wouldn't have that. And that's just who he was. And Giamatti just gets that down. And he just is able to imitate him so interestingly. And even then, beyond just the imitation, there's just so much bitterness and anger, but also humor throughout this. This is just a phenomenal performance. Uh, Jack, have you seen American Splendor? No. That is fair. I Jack, have you or what? I said no, but I want to. Fair enough. Jake, have you seen this? No, but I also do want to. Fair. I would have expected. Actually, I wouldn't have. Nobody has seen this one. But more people should. I highly recommend it. Anyway, uh, Jacob, over to you. What is your first pick? I'm honestly surprised this one didn't get taken first. So I'm going to take it while it's still on the table. Is it super basic? Yes, but it just seems like the smart option. Uh, Joker from the Dark Knight. I mean, yeah, super basic. Sure. But I mean, am I hearing any arguments? I mean, it, it's it's one of it's one of the if not the best. It is top tier. It is number one. I realized it when Joker scared the crap out of me when I saw it in two thousand and eight, and all these years later, nothing has even come close. So I mean, everything that has been this character has been dissected, re-dissected, and re-re-dissected. So I don't think I can add any any more to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't pick this one just because 
I, you know, I've talked about it to death, but I'm glad it's on the list because it absolutely deserves to be on the list. So, yeah, obviously, great pick. Phenomenal performance. I, I will say, I think maybe the best moment of his performance is the handheld cam moment where he's got the guy behind him and he's just talking to the camera. Like, I think that is just the absolute like, most terrifying moment of his entire performance. Uh, Jack, thoughts on Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight? This is still a top 10 performance for me. Uh, had I not gone with Hugh Jackman, I would have went with Heath Ledger. Uh, absolute killer performance. is one of my favorite Oscar wins ever. Uh, and just yeah, there's very few moments in this movie where, uh, like, I think of any moment with the Joker in this movie, and I instantly get chills. That uh, that scene with the handheld camera uh, terrified me when I first saw it, and just incredible, incredible performance. Completely valid, uh, Jake. Um, yeah, this is the same case with, uh, with Hugh Jackman and, and Logan um, in the sense that I don't really care much for the movie, but I won't deny that the performance is great, um, especially a performance like this. Uh, I have obviously loved Heath Ledger. Um, I think he should have won a few years before this movie, but I digress. Uh, he is really fantastic. Um, the scene, I mean, I absolutely love the opening. I do think the opening's like incredible. Um, especially when I watched it for the first time, you just don't know it's him. And then when he shows up, it's just like absolutely fantastic. Um, a great reveal. Um, I mean, there's just really good stuff about the performance. And it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, I understand it's been talked to death. It is a fantastic, it's one of the performance, the most talked about performances ever. Uh, the way it has, uh, has infected pop culture. Uh, what, what are we 15 years out? Um, it's, it really says to something like this, um, how memorable something can be. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, we, we've talked about it so much, but it is it is a good performance. I, I'm not going to deny that. Completely valid. Well, uh, Jake, it's over to you. What is your first pick? Uh, so that, I mean, Jake was saying that Heath Ledger is, like, the most predictable, you know, it's an obvious choice, and, uh, you know, it's, it's talked about, you know, for a reason. I'm worried, should I just talk about the one performance that I think everyone expected me to do, or do I change it up? Do I not? Uh, it's really tough. I mean, I wanted to stick with the villains theme, so I'm just looking at the list of what I'm going to go for. Yeah, I'm going to stick with a villain, but I'm not going to talk about the one that everyone that everyone knows, knows, knows I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to say Alfred Molina in Stalker. In Spider-Man 2. I have to go for that one. I obviously, I love Defoe and I love the Green Goblin and he should have won the Oscar for that. But uh, Molina is also just as good um, in his performance as Otto Octavius in Spider-Man 2. I think when I remember watching these films as a kid, I'm always enticed by the villains, um, especially these type of movies where they're given a lot more character and there's a lot more, they're more fledged out. And I was watching interviews with Melina about this movie a few months ago, uh, and he was just talking about how he's he views the character as a as you know the classic science gone wrong sort of uh, situation, and how 
he sort of took approach to that and how he uh, talked with Rainy about the character. And it's one of those things where I just, I've always loved Dark Dark as a character. I'm always torn between him and Goblin as my favorite Spider-Man villains, but he is just like just everything I wanted to be without it just going in the same track as uh, Defoe's performance. It is a completely different type of character. Um, a one that's even more tragic than, uh, than Osborne, which I, I, I find really, really interesting. Um, yeah, it's just, it's everything that's great. I mean, as far as his performance goes, when he talks with the arms uh, at the pier, it's really well done. And it's just, it's on, it's all on him at that point, but it's just great. And it's also just one of those things where it's started at a love for this, uh, for this character actor and showing, and seeing him come back for No Home was, uh, was an absolute treat. But yeah, I'm going to go Melina for Spider-Man 2 completely valid uh i this is one of those performances i would nominate for an oscar i think he's just that good um and there's something very like especially talking to the arms there's something almost very shakespearean about the way he does that and like a lot of different moments of this he just adds such weight to this character and it just it, it's such a good performance and it's there is something so tra like you said so tragic about this character because norman osborne is someone who probably already has you know some moral failings and a bit of a screw loose before the actual green goblin stuff happens this is just a normal good guy and who just ends up in a bad situation and he plays both angles of it perfectly and but i i think probably the best moments of his performance are actually in the before moments when he's talking to peter i think those like just when he's at the dinner with peter and rosie i think that is just so nice and so human and then it contrasts with what we see later phenomenal pick phenomenal performance jack thoughts on alfred molina and spider-man 2 yeah, absolutely fantastic. A top-tier Marvel villain, top-tier comic book movie villain, and Molina gives a killer performance. I was so happy to see him show up in No Way Home again. That was a real treat, uh, like you said. But, yeah, no, great pick. Jacob? I mean, yeah, I mean, this, uh, this is another performance that really doesn't need to be talked about because it's been talked about by a lot of people. But I've noticed... In rewatching clips in the lead up to Across the Spider Verse, I went back to rewatching some old footage from the Raimi films. And I notice as I get older, I recognize a bit of a running through line with all the villains uh, in the Raimi films is that they're, these people are doing bad things, but they're not necessarily the worst people. They're kind of thrust into the situations that they are involved in. They don't wake up. Like, they rustle their hair, they brush their teeth, and like, you know what, I think I'm going to be evil today. Like, no, it just happens to them. The only case of that is Venom, and Venom was terrible. No, well, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, sure, It's but. nice to finally hear you admit it. But, um, but yeah, it's, um, inherently, these people are not, like, are not terrible human beings, but they're just, they're basically pushed in that direction so I, I think it's 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 a detail that i missed when i first saw them as a kid but now that as, I, as i'm older i pick up on it now completely valid jack we are back over to you what is your second pick i'm torn between a few but 
Yeah, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go with this one. Uh, so David Cronenberg has made at least uh, at least one uh, comic book movie, uh, and Viggo Mortensen in that movie, A History of Violence, is absolutely incredible. <laughs> Just uh, <laughs> this is a movie I had no expectations for when I saw it. I watched it for the first time for fandom back in like 2021. And I was blown away. Uh, this performance is something else. Uh, he's for basically he uh, he used to be uh, this mobster. Uh, uh, is his name Richie or was his brother's name Richie? I can't remember, but uh, whatever. He used to be this mobster, and uh, he uh, left his life behind. He started a family. And things are finally catching back up with him after two armed men come into his work and he kills both of them very easily. Uh, it's, it's a great performance, a very, very tortured performance from uh, Mortensen. And yeah, he's got some great moments. That, that scene with him and William Hurt is fantastic. Uh, but yeah, no, I... I love this movie so much. I, it, it blew me away, and Mortensen is a big reason why. Now, Mortensen's good in this. Um, William Hurt's also good in this. I'm in the minority, though, in that I think the best performance in this movie is Ed Harris. I think he's yeah. the one who takes it home for me, even though uh, Hurt got the uh, Oscar nomination, I think, because he was William Hurt. But I do. that is a very good... It's, it's odd that that's like one of the few one-scene performances they give it to, but, I mean, he's it's a good scene. Uh, but yeah, I think Harrison, but yeah, Mortensen is good in this, and I, I do like this performance, so good pick. Uh, Jacob, thoughts on Viggo Mortensen in A History of Violence? Never seen this one. I've been meaning to, because I've heard nothing but good things. It, it's one of those that for a long time, I thought it wasn't even a comic book movie. I just thought it was, I thought it was related, like, I had no idea it was even DC. It was kind of like Road to Perdition. Like, I had no idea that that was a comic book yeah. movie until I saw it for the first time about a year ago. So it, so that gives me some impetus to finally watch it. Valid. Uh, Jake, over to you. Um, yeah, I have not seen History of Violence. It's one oh. of my blind spots. Um, really okay. should, uh, should definitely get to this at some point. Valid, valid. Well, uh, Jake, we are... No, we are over to me, aren't we? Yes, that is right. We are over to me for my second pick. And I think I am going to go with another more out-of-the-box pick, just because I can. Uh, and I am going... Actually, I'm going to. I'm still going out-of-the-box. I'm going to zig when I can zag, though. And I'm just going to go a super fun performance. This is not like a great dramatic performance but i this is just a performance that anytime he's on screen he makes the movie for me and he makes me smile i'm going with the villain of the film the guy chewing the scenery timothy dalton in the rocketeer i like so much fun he like He's essentially playing like Errol Flynn because, you know, it was suspected at the time that Errol Flynn may have had some um, Nazi ties. And it's kind of playing on this idea of what if Errol Flynn was just straight up a Nazi spy 
And I think that is like just such a cool idea for a villain. And Dalton is just lapping up all of the screen time. I think he's one of those guys who, if he hadn't played Bond, his career would have gone very differently. And he probably would have been like one of our great dramatic actors. It's just unfortunate that things went the way they were. I mean, not unfortunate because you still, you still get really great fun villain performances from him like this and hot fuzz in particular. I think he is just absolute MVP of, but yeah, uh, this is such a fun, unique take on a villain. I think Dalton is just so perfect for it. Uh, Jack, have you seen the Rocketeer? I have not, but I've heard great things about it. And plus, I'm pretty sure Jennifer Connelly's in it. So I will end yeah. up seeing it eventually. Jennifer Connelly and Alan Arkin is also. Yes. Okay. I'm in his debut. His debut. In his debut? Or wait, no, wait. I think I might. Is that what Scissorhands the year before? Well, because Alan Arkin was working in the 60s. So, uh, yeah, I, I he just. Was, he I, was in The Russians Are Coming. The Russians Are Coming. Right? Yeah, The Russians Are Coming. And, and uh, Wait Until Where Dark. And. Other things, yeah, that was oh, that's the sorry, sorry, y'all. That was no, worries. but anyway, uh, Jacob, we'll, we'll stick with you. Have you seen this one? Oh, yeah, this is one of my all time favorites. I love The Rocketeer, it is so much fun. I mean, I, I, depending on if anyone takes it, I might be coming back to this, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But yeah, uh, this movie is just so much fun. I mean, it's directed by Joe Johnston, who would later go on to direct Captain America, the first Avenger, which is a very film. And yes, Jumanji as well. So yeah, nothing but love for the Rocketeer. Fair. Uh, Jake? Uh, Yes, I've seen this. I I can't remember specifically what year. It was a few years ago now, but it was definitely just a blind spot or one of those movies that I hadn't seen, but was curious about. Um, I think it's fun. I think it's just like, it's classic you know, that type of, um, it started, I guess Batman sort of did it, but the old vintage sort of comic book sort of characters from the thirties and forties, like Batman's more popular than Rocketeer, but like, I'm thinking like the Phantom or the Shadow, uh, that really started that sort of pulpy sort of comic book, uh, noir, um, uh, the stories and I think Rocketeer's, I mean, Rocketeer's is really the best one. Um, and I say this, I've not seen The Phantom or The Shadow, but well, the Rocketeer just has a lot of just fun, and I think that's something that you forget is missed sometimes in movies, especially ones that are released today. Um, it's just good stuff, yeah. I really like it, and the effects are have aged fairly well. Some of the um, some of the effects, the compositioning it isn't as good as it could be, but you know, I, I'll take that just for 91. Uh, not good stuff. It's fun. The Rock of Who. So. Yeah. That is valid. Uh, yeah. Uh, so now we will go over to Jacob. Jacob, what's your second pick? So my second choice, going to keep it in the vein of the pulp side of things, going back to 1998, directed by Martin Campbell. I'm choosing Alejandro Montega, played by, uh, played by Antonio Banderas in The Mask of Zorro. This movie is awesome, but really what one of the severely underrated parts is Antonio Banderas in the movie because he is just, he's so good in the action scenes, but his arc throughout the movie doesn't get talked about quite nearly enough. He starts out as basically a thief with his brother, 
with uh, with three finger Jack and nobody's tough as Jack and like that whole song. But then then this rogue like Union general like ambushes them and removes the head of his brother, and that makes for a scary sight later. And then basically the Zorro, played by Anthony Hopkins, takes the mantle and passes it on to Alejandro. And it is just, it takes a bit of time, but he gets fantastic at it. Just this movie as a whole is just so much fun. Sword fights are incredible. Horse chases are just incredible. I mean, Catherine Zeta-Jones being gorgeous. <laughs> uh, Anthony Hopkins pulling a great performance as the older Zorro passing it down. And really, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, just for how twisted it is, is after we see the titular gold mine, how, I don't know if y'all have seen it. I don't know if you want me to talk about it or if I should save it, but- uh, Go ahead. It's all right. So the scene basically is the general and Alejandro, who's under the guise of this very rich Mexican aristocrat. And they're back at this base camp and they're having a drink together. And the general's like, did you know that the Campa Indians of central Peru used to used to cannibalize their victims' heads? And he's going on this tangent, and then he's like, oh, where are my manners? Would you like something to drink? And he pulls up this vat with Alejandro's brother's head in the vat, in water. And you just see, like, his eye all twisted like that. And Alejandro just looks at it, and he's like, he's got to stay in character. But just inside, you're like, he, he's just, he just loses it. And he's like... And the only thing that he can do, he has to smile in the face of his brother's killer. When he leaves, he gets so angry, he, like, snaps his cane in half. It's such a great scene. And so I can't recommend Mask of Zorro enough. Completely valid. Uh, yeah, uh, this is one where I'm not big on this movie, personally. This is just one. Didn't work for me. Coho uh, loves it. And I think at some point... Uh, He's going to force me to rewatch it. But that, it's just not my vibe, personally. That being said, Banderas is not the problem. He's great. Uh, so this is still a good pick because he he's just feels built for this role. He's just mm. so good at it. Uh, yeah, just one of those roles that just seem like the casting just fits like a glove. Uh, so, Jack, have you seen The Mask of Zorro? No, and I don't know if this is weird, but I didn't know that this was based on a comic book. Oh, yeah. I also just now. It's one of the oldest comic book characters of all time. Uh, I, I think it's like the the Mask of Cog... I can't remember the, the exact title, but it goes all the way back to like the early 20s when Zoro made his first appearance. And first he's since right. lapsed into the public domain, so he's become very obscure. But... Uh, but but really, uh, Legend of Zorro is not discussed. Like, that movie's terrible. But Mask of Zorro is excellent. It, it, it's terrible, Legend of Zorro. But Mask of Zorro is awesome. And yes, I know I saw Adelaide in the chat. Yes, notorious Mexican Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, that is highly questionable. I understand that. But, I mean, it's Anthony Hopkins. What Are you, are you really going to question that? Really? <laughs> Jake, thoughts on uh, Antonio Banderas and the Mask of Zorro? Uh, yeah, so I like this movie. Um, I was wondering, because I didn't know Koho was a fan. I was like, I wonder why. I wonder if it's written by Elliot Russo. And then I just checked to see who wrote the movie. And it was written by yeah, that's Elliot Russo. That makes a lot of sense now. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think Banderas is good. I mean, this is, like, why he got the role for Puss in Boots. Like, he just, that 
they base that character on Zoro, and it's like, well, might as well just get Banderas. He's perfect in in that in that voice performance, and he's I think he's great in this. It's definitely not one I would go, oh yeah, this is the best, or one of the you know, let's look at the best comic book movie performances and, and talk about this one. But I mean, I think it's an and it's an interesting choice, and I like that. Um, so yeah, I I give the thumbs up on that. Fair enough. Well, now we go over to we stick with you, Jake. Uh, what is your second? Uh, so I'm going to go, I mean, I've been obsessed with this performance for almost over a year now. I think I should just go for it. Yeah, I mean, I was going to pick a villain role. I had had that from the beginning. Um, and it's just one of those things where we always sort of laugh at this sort of character, this performance, I should say. Um, but I think it's absolutely fascinating and I love it. I'm talking about uh, Nick Nolte in the movie called Hulk. Uh, yes, Jack. Yes. I'm talking about his character, the father, a.k.a. Uh, David Banner. Yes, Nolte gives the performance of a lifetime in Hulk. I, I cannot, I cannot, I don't know if I can fully articulate why I love this performance, but there is just something so fascinating. Like, Nolte is, I think, a pretty good actor. He definitely takes weird choices every now and then, uh, especially in performances that I think people like. Um, but for this one, he is just so magnetic. I just cannot take my eyes off him every time he shows up in the film uh he's there's a lot of subtext there's i mean great relationship with his i mean not positively but a very fascinating interesting relationship with his son uh, throughout the film but the way he based the character was on king Lear, and i mentioned this to face and he uh, laughed at me for that but it is true uh he based the man uh, based on king Lear, a man who felt betrayed by the world and you really can see that in the performance when you know that going into it um during the making of the movie he had a tank of oxygen and he would just constantly inhale it and uh eric banner had asked him he said why do you uh why do you take the uh, oxygen and then he said if people see you do this they think you're crazy and i just remember going oh yeah i can certainly see nolte just doing whatever the fuck he wants um, and uh i really just love that but i think the best part of his performance mm -hmm. is at the very end when he when he um, talks to his son and basically, yeah, I didn't actually care about you. I just want your whole uh, DNA so I can become uh, more powerful and stronger. I'm just like, yeah, I just I get that. He just hates what, what the world has done to him. And now he has to resort to this as his final sort of moment. Um, I think it's a really fantastic performance. I, he would win my, he would, this, he would win my, the Oscar this year of a supporting actor. Uh, call me crazy, but he's just, he deserves it. Um, he's fantastic. And it's just a performance that I will constantly think about and go like, oh yeah, we need more performances like this in superhero movies now. Like we don't get that. It's the most generic sort of one dimensional villain roles. There's a lot more complexity to this character that I would love to see more of. Um, and you know, his naughty isms I think is great. You know, like it's me, I'm your father, Bruce. It's me, Nick Naughty. Um, I'm the new janitor. It's just, I love it. It's great. And I could talk about his performance to death uh, as I probably already have. Look. Adam Sandler can tell me that he based his role on uh, from Jack and Jill on Iago from Othello. That doesn't mean Diddly Squad if it doesn't actually make sense for the performance. <laughs> I, I think Nick Nolte is just out of his mind in this movie. Like, yeah, I, I'll give you it's probably the most entertaining performance in the movie because it's so silly. But, like, 
I don't know. I I don't I don't see what you see in this performance, Jake. I'll I'll put it that way. Um, Jack, thoughts on Nick Nolte and Hulk playing King Lear? Apparently, I just want to go back maybe thirty minutes uh, to the point <laughs> where uh, Jake told me, or or Jake said, uh, we all have that performance that we really like, and uh, that's that's fair. Uh, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shell you for that. But then you added. But saying he deserved a Best Actor nomination uh, is where I draw the line. I say nomination. You say win for Supporting Actor in 03. Yeah, you gave Jack crap for for Hugh Jackman. But But there was just so much fucking people going about that when the Oscars for that year. This performance is entertaining. Hulk saying he should win for you. Oh, yeah, because I'm insane. Okay, fair. In an otherwise boring as hell movie. Uh, it, it, it does, it is a bit of a breath of fresh air for the movie, but that doesn't mean it's a great performance. Uh, but Jacob uh, thoughts on Nick Nolte and Hulk. Um, in, in, in the words of uh, Richard Karn from home improvement, I don't think so, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm sorry. Like I said, not trying to not trying to crap on you unnecessarily, but I feel like that movie is still going on to this day. Like it, <laughs> like it just got into theaters and it never left. So, and, so you say and, that, though, in the box office of that movie, you could tell you otherwise. <laughs> Jacob, so, so, Jacob totally has redeemed himself uh, for me and my book from the Royal Tenenbaums fiasco. So good job, Jacob. Anyway, we do have two more spots open. Uh, so who, who has another pick ready to go? I do. Okay, Jacob, go ahead. So, and again, this is kind of one I'm honestly surprised hasn't been taken already. So I'm going to take it anyway. I'm going to take Robert Downey Jr. in the first Iron Man for Iron Man 1, the one that started it all. And he's had his great moments in all of the MCU. There is no getting around that end game with his final sacrifice. That is an all timer, but I'm talking cumulative. Iron Man one is Robert Downey Jr.'s finest work as Iron Man, just where he starts to where he's basically Elon Musk on steroids to where he gets lost in the desert to where he gets kidnapped by the terrorists. And they, he has to rediscover like, parts of himself that were closed off to him. And then he meets Jensen. They build the big Iron Man suit, Iron Man Mark I. Then he flies out. He becomes an entirely new person or almost entirely a new person, swears that his company will no longer make weapons only to make basically the ultimate weapon in the Iron Man suit. I will entertain a notion that like the first Iron Man movie is not a perfect movie or even the best of the MCU. Uh, Obadiah Stane not exactly lighting the world on fire in the villain department. I will accept that. However, any flaws that this movie might have are wiped away because of how good Robert Downey Jr. is in the movie. And he has had great work before and since. We're talking like Chaplin, among other things. But this is the movie that really like announced him as like, he's Iron Man. Like you, like you say Iron Man to someone, be like, oh, Robert Downey Jr. And it started with this movie from 2008. Yeah, this is just one of those, another hand glove performances. Just feels just too perfect. Just so good in every moment. Just he embodies the character completely. 
Uh, and yeah, this is, in my opinion, this is the correct movie if you're going to pick uh, an RDJ Tony Stark performance. This is the one to go with. I would nominate him this year. I think he is that good. Um, and yeah, just, just an electric, just completely like dominating attention grabbing performance uh jack on rdj in the first iron man oh he's incredible uh absolutely the correct choice for the character uh when like all throughout the movie he's giving a killer performance when he finally says i am iron man at the end it just it's the biggest fuck yeah moment uh in this movie it's it's so great uh love this movie to death i it's been a minute since i've seen it but i will be watching it shortly fair enough uh jake um yeah i mean i remember watching this in the cinema and not knowing too much about danny jr like i i knew because i the only movies i knew him from at the time was this and then Tropic Thunder, which is, which is going to get released, you know, a few months later or whatever. Um, but he is just, like, so charismatic. Like, it's crazy how he works so well for the character. I mean, I know a lot of that is from him in his past experiences. I know it's just his personality, but it really shines through the movie. Um, and it's, like, the one thing I take away from the movie is his performance. I mean, it's the reason why he became, like, the, the highest... Uh, not highest grossing, but the, the highest paid actor for, like, 10 years, essentially. Um, really, yeah, he's great. Um, I just wish the movie was better, but that's just a whole opinion I have. But no, I think what works about the movie is the performance, and I think that's enough for the movie to to work so well. And I mean, that's it's why it did so well and started jump started this thirty plus film cinematic universe that we're still into today. Yeah, completely correct. I, I agree completely. Um, okay, uh, who has Jack? Did you have one more lined up? Yeah, I, I, I do have one more. I'm going to backtrack on that and go with a different one that I just thought of. So uh, we talked about one obscure DC movie uh, tonight already. Let's talk about the other one in Road to Perdition. And I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Tom Hanks. He's mm. that. Paul Newman is great, but it's Tom Hanks's performance in this movie that really draws me in. I, uh, ever ever since uh, like so after his wife and and kid are murdered early in this movie, he takes his other son uh, and goes on the run while also hoping uh, hoping to get revenge on uh, Daniel Craig's character, who is the one who murdered murdered them and. Uh, his performance in this movie is super strong. All the scenes he's got with his son, whose name escapes me at the moment, both actors. So Michael Sullivan Jr. Yeah, yeah, but like, uh, but specifically the actor. But yeah, oh, Adam, Tyler Hoechlin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, some of the scenes that they've got together are really, really beautiful and touching. But uh, it's, it's. He's not the one that says the line, but in in the in the scene in the rain when he when the character I don't want to spoil in case anyone hasn't seen uh, the movie, but in, when the character says "I'm glad it was you," uh, and he doesn't say a word, you, you just it's a shot of his face and you see the gunfire and it's uh, just you can tell how much this hurts him. Uh, I love this performance. I love that scene specifically also has one of the most satisfying revenge kills in all of cinema. 
in my opinion. Uh, love this performance to death. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great performance. Very different role for Tom Hanks. I think this was definitely one of the first times he played. Like, I guess you can argue Saving Private Ryan. This is kind of a continuation of the direction he went there. Uh, but he is very good in this. But this is the first time he really played a dark, dark character. Because at least you can make some more arguments in Saving Private Ryan. But this, this is just very different character for him. And he kills it. He's great. Uh, Jacob, thoughts on Tom Hanks in Road to Perdition? I mean, yeah, that's a really great choice, Jack. I mean, I think this movie is really, really good. Daniel Craig is an asshole in that movie. He is so evil. And, and keep in mind, this was like four years before he'd be in Casino Royale. So for a lot of people, this was, I, I'm sure this was their first taste of what Daniel Craig had to offer. And then it was off to the races from there. He'd be Bond, he'd be... He'd be a Joe Bang and Logan Lucky, which is a personal favorite of mine. He'd be Benoit Blanc. I mean, I could go on. But Road to Perdition is is awesome. Directed by Sam Mendes. I mean, need I say more? Fair enough. Uh, Jake, thoughts on Tom Hanks in Road to Perdition? Is I don't know if this is the number one, but this is definitely one of the most complex uh, characters that I think Tom Hanks has ever played. I mean, I'm not saying that as a negative on his the rest of his filmography, especially before this movie. It's just I was thinking about it like he's playing such a morally ambiguous, uh, but also just morally complex type of character that you just don't really see from America's Dad, Tom Hanks. So it's sort of interesting to see him play against type. And I think for the most part, he's pretty great. Uh, he's not my favorite performance of the movie. Uh, I love Paul Newman. Uh, he's incredible in this. But Hanks does a lot with very little dialogue. I mean, I really like this movie. It's one of my favorite movies. But uh, a, a, I really like how they sort of communicate with it as very little dialogue as possible, um, especially the relationship between father and son. I'm a big fan of that. Um, also, the way he teaches them how to drive. Or you have the scene in the, um, the cafe. Also, like the restaurant, the diner. I should say, um, and and the ending I think is also really powerful. But I think it's a really good performance that uh, I, I I don't know. It's sort of been forgotten, um, especially in Hanks's uh, incredible filmography. That I, I people, more people should talk about this performance for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, that concludes it for that portion of the show. Uh, to recap, our picks were Hugh Jackman in Logan, Paul Giamatti in American Splendor, Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, Alfred Molina in Spider-Man 2, Viggo Mortensen in History of Violence, Timothy Dalton for The Rocketeer, Antonio Banderas for The Mask of Zorro, Nick Nolte in Hulk, Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man, and Tom Hanks in Road Tradition. But before we go, we do have to break down the movie of the month. And since Jack's internet cut out, Jake, we're going to start with you. Thoughts on Last Action Hero. Uh, so I hadn't seen this movie in many, many years. And I remember really liking it a lot as a kid. It was sort of like when you start to become a fan of film, you start to realize, that, oh, yeah, films can play with the meta sort of narrative and sort of make fun at the idea of movies. And I think this is a really good one. Um, I really like what Schwarzenegger is doing. I mean, he's essentially just parodying his, uh, his action career. Um, there's some really good bits. I didn't know this was um, co-written by, or the story was at least come up with um, Zach Penn, 
uh, of uh, Avengers and Ready Player One and like some other stuff, but screenplay also co-written by Shane Black, which I think I completely forgot about. So he adds a lot of wit to this movie. Um, I think it's really interesting, like just the idea of just playing with action uh, tropes and cliches. I mean, I really love the villains. Uh, I mean, when I say villains, I mean Tom Noonan's uh, The Ripper. I think he's really great. I, I mean, I've only seen Noonan in like a few other stuff. Um, He's a great uh, Manhunter and Synecdoche, but he's a really good in this just like small sort of uh, performance. But I mean, I like um, F. Murray Abraham as the quote unquote villain of the movie uh, um, until it turns out that it's actually the secondary uh, antagonist, which is, um, oh my God, it's, why am I blinking? It's, what's his name? Oh my God. Thank you. I completely forgot on Charles Dance. How dare I? I think Dance also really good in the movie. I love his um, his gimmick with the eyeball um, and how that pays off at the end. But um, really good stuff. Um, it also was my introduction to Igmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal, uh, which is sort of uh, bizarre to think about uh, Ian McAlpin as deaf. Um, and some really good ideas. Like I like when he goes to the police station, you see Sharon Stone and Robert Patrick playing their respective characters from Basic Instinct and uh, T2. Um, and you have the whole Stallone gag, which is, is pretty funny. Um, I think this is a really fun action movie that I both wish could have done a bit more with the ideas. Um, but I mean, it does a lot, so I can't really criticize that much for it. Um, but I do think it's a, a really, really fun film that uh, I'm surprised got made in 93. Like, that's not a movie you would expect to be made, uh, especially during like Schwarzenegger's like, peak years. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I have not seen this yet. So, Jack, we're going to go over to you. Oh, Jake, what do you give it out of five? Oh, um, I would give it four stars. Four stars. Okay, Jack, over to you. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I was not expecting to love it. Just uh, I had seen, like, a couple of clips out of context from this movie and uh, made me roll my eyes pretty hard. But... Uh, I actually watched it, sat down and watched it, and it's a lot of fun. Like, yeah, there's some really eye-roll-inducing moments, some really cheesy elements, but it works for this movie. Uh, the kid can be a little annoying, but other than that, I don't really have many big issues. I think, look, anytime Charles Dance is in a movie, that instantly increases my enjoyment by, like, 50%. This, it, anytime Charles Dance shows up, I'm... I'm having a good time. Uh, the line that the kid says to Schwarzenegger, which I don't want to spoil for Boatman because uh, he hasn't seen it yet, but when F. Murray Abraham shows up the first time, that... that I do line, know that line. I do know that line. He killed Mozart. He killed Look how that guy killed Mozart. <laughs> like, that that line is so fun. Uh, there's some great moments in this. I, when, when they're uh, at the house uh, after Charles Dance and his goons... Uh, uh, tried to tried to kill uh, Schwarzenegger's house, uh, and they find the the thing, uh, the little thing that looks like he, uh, his red eye, and it's it says uh, vengeance or I can't remember what it says, but they turn it and then they uh, Schwarzenegger's like no, don't touch, and then they cut to an outside shot, and then it, you just see this massive explosion, and then it cuts them in the police uh, police station, both just covered in like so it's it, it's got some really funny jokes really funny gags had a great time with it uh got about 15 minutes left but yeah it's it's probably gonna end up being four stars for me fair enough well 
That concludes uh, the show for tonight. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Jack. Thank you to everyone at home for watching. This has been Multiplex Locked It, and we will see you later. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening.